feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? Everybody and welcome to oh. Will This. Okay, yeah, it's going. Sorry. Hi, everybody. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, this is my announcement that we're getting divorced. <laughs> Worth it. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be on the Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about things that we are influencing. Yes, because we do not know precisely when this is coming out, but we're assuming the de-influencing trend, or unfluencing as we have named it. Unfluencing is better. Yes, we'll still be around. What are you unfluencing today? Okay, so uh, this one is kind of a weird one, but hear me out. Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Not just because of the homophobia, but because... It's not that good of a sandwich. It is bland, and, like, it's just got a warm bun. That's, like, the selling point. That's it. It's not a good sandwich. I like the sandwich. Don't like the homophobia, but I don't. I, I like the sandwich. It's made with pickle juice. See, it's, like, I, every time I've been there, it's just been kind of mushy and bland. Popeye's, 100% better sandwich. Allergic. Today, I am influencing... Combining two different things. And I'm talking about, I'm a hybrid between this Hogwarts house and that Hogwarts house. Or I'm a hybrid between this Disney princess and that Disney princess. There's a reason those hybridizations do not exist in those universes. Pick a lane. Yeah, you're, it's like, you're not that special. Yeah, it's like, nobody fits precisely in one box. I think we can all agree on that. And yes, there are a couple of Hogwarts houses that I could fit into. But you know what? Pottermore told me I was in Slytherin, and I accepted that. I always thought I was a Ravenclaw, but we're good. I'm not a Slytherclaw or whatever the fuck they're calling them. Not that uh, I'm uh, really engaging a, a whole lot with ex- Harry Potter Excuse right me, now. I'm a Raverpuff. <laughs> <laughs> Huffle, Huffleclaw? See, that also doesn't work. Yeah. So, like, there's a reason that they don't exist. Just own the one... That you seem to be afraid to be a part of. Since we're discussing, like, you know, young adult fiction from, like, over a decade ago, I'm going to tell you exactly who I blame for this. Hmm. I blame the Divergent series. Really? Yeah, because it's all like, oh, you go go to one of these places where either you're good at fighting or you're kind to people or you're smart. It's like, but I'm Divergent. I'm not one. I'm the hero. I'm going to be in three Possibly four books, but only two movies, because the movies were bad. The movies were bad, which was kind of... Because I actually read the whole series, and I know it's controversial. I loved the ending. I'm not going to go into the ending if you haven't read them yet. I loved the ending. I'll go into the ending. Finny dies. (laughs) I was the only person in our high school class to not have that written inside of their book. Every book in high school had... of. Like, a separate piece had Finny Dies but mine. written across the front page. Not mine. So I did not see it coming because for some reason I didn't ever find out about it. It's because you're the chosen one. I'm the chosen one? Like in Divergent yes. or something? You're the you're Divergent. Specifically, you're Neuro. <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> so that is our unfluencing for today. That will hopefully still be a trend when this comes out in probably a month. If it's not, then we will still be behind the times with something brand new afterward. (laughs) But it is a 
Maddie episode. Ooh. And I am so excited about this one. Today, I'm talking about Sarah Biffin. I don't know who this is, and if even any, the slightest bit. And if anybody in this house should know who Sarah Biffin is out of the two of us, it's Austin. <gasps> because she was an artist. What? Like a legit artist from the late 1700s and early 1800s, who honestly did some of the more realistic and exquisite paintings of people like the British royal family. As a woman, she was hired to do the royal family portraits as a disabled woman. What? Let's get into it. Yeah. Sarah Biffin was born in 1784 in Somerset. Oh, remember this is all like old history based on a variety of different sources. So some of it may not be 100% correct, but the big points are. Uh, To a father who was a shoemaker, she had four siblings, John, Richard, Johanna, and Betty, though it's unclear what happened to them later. It is apparent from birth that she is different from other kids because she had no arms and vestigial legs. What? Due to phocomalia, which interestingly is associated most commonly with the use of the drug thalidomide, uh, which was a major thing that women used during pregnancy in like the 1950s or 60s. I've been actually considering an episode on it, but it's super depressing. It was this drug given to women. They were like, this will help you, you know, with everything. And their babies were born severely disabled and missing limbs. But it can also be genetic, even though there was no family history that they knew of. She was just born with no arms and vestigial legs. Now, while many of her people's, people in her situation at the time would have been dumped on the streets, especially by a poor family like hers, she wasn't. But they also had no idea how to take care of her. Um, my new favorite website, which is Rejected Princesses, go check it out, said they, quote, treated her as a fragile object, but she became hell-bent on pushing herself. <laughs> so they basically were like, oh, you have, you know, no ability to do anything. We're just going to treat you like a baby and you're not going to learn. You're not going to try. You're not going to whatever. So when her family would leave the house and she would be alone, this was the only time she felt she could do this, she taught herself to read, to write, to paint, and to sew. Wow! Using her mouth. And this was a spite move. I Okay, using your mouth, but needles are sharp. She I did it. She was real good at it, too. What? Yeah. I, I have trouble sewing with hands and I keep sticking to myself. I can't imagine like having a needle in my mouth. I can imagine having one in my knee. Um, this seems partly despite, despite her parents. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but based on everything she actually claimed to be about, she wouldn't have put it that way. The sewing was done when her parents weren't home, especially so they wouldn't stop her. Um, and she ultimately could do every aspect of sewing. Her writing was self-taught and she had excellent penmanship. When she was a young teen, her family, using their words, not the words we would use now, apprenticed her to Emmanuel Dukes, and she lived with him and his wife for 16 years. It seems her parents had assured her that their agreement, essentially selling her as an indentured servant, would result in a life of comfort for her someday. But she said, quote, the result was by no means equal to the expectations raised. At first, she apparently only had to do like normal chores and stuff around the house because she was fully capable of these things. But then her artistic talent began to show up, like silhouette cutouts, 
landscape paintings, and miniatures, meaning miniature paintings, tiny paintings. <gasps> Those are hard. Now, what did they tend to do to people with disabilities who could do cool things back then? Why, um, P.T. Barnum would uh, put them in a train car and show th- drive them around saying, look at this cool person. So Emmanuel Dukes was like, let's call her the Limbless Wonder. <laughs> And put her on display to the crowds. In fact, in true garbage fire fashion, Dukes made bets with every onlooker that would take him up on it, which was a lot, that she could paint, sew, write, whatever, anything, or he'd give them a thousand guineas. Of course, he never had to do that. But he had no problem selling her miniature portraits for three guineas each and giving her maybe a total of five pounds per year. That's nothing, even back then. Mm-hmm. So this girl is out there, and she's doing the damn thing, and she's doing hundreds and hundreds of pieces of work that this guy is selling. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to pay you. Merry Christmas, here's five pounds. That is until the St. Bartholomew's Fair in 1808. So she'd be like 24. And she got apprenticed when she was like four. This fair was an, um, was like this massive event that sounds like the Festival of Dionysus, except in England and with fewer, but probably not zero penises. <laughs> Check out our Festival of Dionysus episode. It's actually, this festival is the inspiration for the play Bartholomew Fair by Ben Jonson, who is one of the possible, but definitely not Shakespeare. There, she was noticed by George Douglas, the Earl of Morton, who I assume made salt because of fish. What do Mortons do? I don't know. Um, Morton? There's like, a seasoning. It's it's a salt company that's got the girl with the umbrella. Yeah, and there's also like, trust the Mortons fishermen. I have never heard of that. Well, he I definitely makes salt. salt, though. I, I assume this is actually not him, but okay. who knows? The Earl commissioned her to make a portrait of him, but... He was like, "Mm, I need proof that this is actually her, which is fair. So he insisted on taking the piece home with him every night and bringing it back to her so no one could intervene with the painting. It's kind of like when I was a teacher and I made them do all of their essays in class so I could make sure their parents didn't quote unquote help them. Parents, stop doing your kids' work. They aren't learning anything. And also, your kids are really good at stuff. Let them be good. Your kids are smarter than you, Karen. Stop trying to help them with their homework and making it worse. Yeah, like, I definitely got some lower grades and some homework that I was helped with as a kid. Uh, The parent who helped me got so mad. But also, it was a stupid assignment, so I didn't care. Um, It's an assignment uh, where I had to make word art. Like, I had to cut out letters and put it on paper. And also what my dad, because it was my dad, did was actually cooler. He cut out the letters and overlaid the background on the paper instead of overlaying the letters on the paper. So it looked way cooler, but I got a C because he reversed it. And he was like, that's stupid. Mine is better. I'm like, yours is better. <laughs> um, although I still am glad my dad built this electrical unit for me as an extra credit assignment in fifth grade. He had to do like a wiring thing to make a light bulb light up for me. If you had done it, the results could have been shocking. Anyway, back to the story. Back to the story. So this worked. He was able to see for sure that Sarah had painted this portrait of him. And so he was like, I'm a sponsor you. (gasps) Patron of the arts. Yeah. Rejected Princesses, the best website, reports that some sources show Morton tried to buy out her contract with Dukes. He was like, okay, this is bullshit. You're a real artist. 
I'm going to buy out the remaining like six years or whatever on this contract. And you're going to come just work for me. And I'm going to treat you like a human being. Doesn't that sound good? But Dukes had made Sarah feel so indebted to him that she resisted this. Like this dude manipulated a child, a disabled child, into thinking she couldn't survive without him and promised her a life of luxury if she stuck around. He's a piece of shit. Garbage human being. Mm Mm-hmm. So as a result, she wasn't officially allowed out of it until 1815. But she was able to attend the Royal Academy of Arts and study under William Craig, who painted for the Queen, among a bunch of other things. And the Earl, Morton, showed her work to King George III. And he'll, he was like, you'll be back soon. Soon. You'll, you'll see. see. Because he was an instant fan, both of her and Talking to Trees. One of William Craig's specialties was miniatures, which Sarah excelled at. Now, Austin could tell you that I'm largely underwhelmed at art museums. She is. But miniatures always get me because how do they do so much on the itty bitty things? How does it work? It's it's impressive. And if you ever want to see her angry, just like show her any modern art. Just any modern art. Uh, not Koons. I like Koons. Yeah. Um, and not modern art that actually has some kind of story or meaning. But don't show me a picture of a freaking sidewalk and tell me it's art. Yeah. If I can accidentally take it, it's I can't, not art. I cannot talk to her about art without hearing about this sidewalk. Every time I hear about this sidewalk. It was literally a piece of sidewalk and it took up a whole wall. And I was like, what is happening? Why? And next to it were these really cool miniatures of, photo- of photographs that they had like put together and nobody was looking at them because they were distracted by the giant piece of sidewalk. Although around the corner was a guy who had taken a slide, like a microscope slide to every inch of his body and taken photos and then constructed it. And that was really cool. And it was like, you know, almost like he was splayed out and he had to like figure out where his body parts were. It was cool. Um, so Sarah earned recognition from the Society of Arts for her miniatures, which was one of the most prestigious awards available. This kind of award meant that you were a real figure in the art world and you could make a living as an Ooh. artist. Now remember, this is a woman who was born with no arms and vestigial legs. Somebody who lit- literally would have been thrown onto the streets by most people. And suddenly she's showing that women and disabled people can do things. What? So in 1821, she went to Brussels because she got to travel too. Man, we don't even get a travel. (laughs) And visited with the Prince of Orange, making a miniature for him and making her the official miniaturist for the King of Holland. So now she is not only getting awards in England, but she is the official miniaturist for the King of Holland. With this recognition, she went back to London and she set up her own studio on Bond Street. Famous people of the day showed up at her door left and right, which possibly included Ada Lovelace. Who in my head was in the 1900s, but apparently was not. Um, The Ada Lovelace thing is debated, but I'm going to put it in there because I want that to be true. And like it was literally people who were well known. And it doesn't even sound like, oh, I got this painted by the freak of Bond Street. It was like, I got this painted by Sarah Beth. 
And yes, people were aware, of course, that she was a woman with disabilities, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't seem like it was the first thing they said. The girl, like, may have been a millennial and how much she hustled. In addition to her art, she taught classes, traveled, moved a lot, and wrote an autobiography that does not exist. Well, it does, but... Like, Austin, you could probably find it with your job. Probably. But then it would be like, okay, we need to travel to this specific place for you to read it. Yeah. Then she made a big mistake. Did she get married? Yes. Oh, no. That was the mistake. She married this dude named William Wright, who was kind of her manager. He was not Mr. Wright. No, because he was like, oh, you're a woman. I'll be in charge of the finances. Fool. He ran off and left her. And he gave her an allowance after that of 40 pounds per year. So she's still doing all of the work. But because they're still married, he gets to be in charge of the finances. She gets an allowance. But, you know, she still has Earl Morton, right? But he dies. Goodbye, Earl. (laughs) We need a break. (laughs) She ended up broke. She tried to make a living, but she was less and less successful, especially after she did actually have to take a break. And moved to another part of the country. But there, she developed a new way of painting. Because until then, she'd be kind of using her mouth. Yeah. She was doing this with her fucking mouth. She attached her brush to a puff sleeve that covered the end of her arm. And she was able to use her arm to do the work now. She ultimately lived in Liverpool after securing a civil list pension of uh, via the work of Queen Augusta and her niece, Queen Victoria. Now, a civil list pension is basically, you're poor, but we like you, so we're going to give you a little bit of money. 12 pounds per year. Not exactly a boon, but enough to kind of live on. But then she also had her GoFundMe, set up by Richard Rathbone, who set up a subscription service to her, basically. Um, She invented OnlyFans? um, It's kind of like Patreon, but you didn't get any benefits or anything like that. You just were helping her get by. Um, He approached Charles Dickens about this, and Dickens said no, which is important later. Dickens. Dickens. During this time, she said her husband and her original boss, the indentured guy, had been good to her, and her health was just fine. But her health had actually been failing for years, and she was legit going blind. So no arms, no legs, and no money, and essentially blind. This is when she painted her portrait of Queen Victoria. A good one. And she died on October 2nd, 1850, at the age of 60. Only 66. Now, we like to talk about, you know, well, that was old for then. No, the average life expectancy factored in the number of babies who died at birth, which is lower now. Yeah. Uh, In places that aren't America. (laughs) Now, like most people I talk about, she lives on in other ways. Last year, she had her first exhibition in a hundred years called Without Hands, The Art of Sarah Biffin in London. She's mentioned in Charles Dickens's Nicholas Nickleby, Martin Chuzzlewit, and Little Dorrit. So despite the fact that he would not help her, he used her in his books. Whether or not they ever met isn't clear, but he was a dick toward her in all of these, focusing on her disabilities rather than her skills. She also shows up in works but works by William Makepeace Thackeray and Thomas Hood. Now, despite working for the royals, her best-known work is actually a miniature self-portrait. This was given to her sponsor of the time, Princess Augusta, but prints were made, and that's what we have today is the prince. This is one of her few works to still be around, and she gets 
she, in it, she is wearing her medal from the Society of Art. That is how detailed this miniature gets. She is wearing a medal, and you can tell what it is. It's not just a dot. Now, this sold in 18, 1986, and it was valued at 800 to 1,200 pounds. What do you think its selling price? I'm gonna... I hope it was a lot of money, but I'm also, a, like, a cynic and sick of humanity, so I'm gonna say significantly less. 500. 137,500 pounds. Oh! Oh, good. We got 137. I got really sad, but then you added the thousand to it, and I was like, oh, yay. Emma Rutherford at Philip Mould, where her art was recently displayed, said they thought the price was because, quote, she represents such strength in overcoming not only the prejudice that would undoubtedly have been shown towards a professional female artist, but also towards someone who would have been viewed as a circus freak. Here, she is viewed first and foremost as an artist, surrounded by the tools of her trade, including the brush tucked into her sleeve, ready for her to paint. Because in this miniature by the woman, who has no arms, she has a freaking visible paintbrush. She has some of her other works of art in the background. She has her little award. She has an, like a detailed couch and a detailed uh tablecloth in front of her and i'm showing it to austin right now holy shit yeah that's a miniature holy shit and you actually know what she looks like from this yeah how is there not a movie of her I, yeah it's like there are plenty of actors out there who are capable of this role i mean they might have to make some adjustments too because there likely aren't that many actors with no arms and no legs i'm sure there are some yeah but probably not many but there are definitely actors who would fit one or the other and they could use that you know Fancy schmancy CG. But yeah, so that is Sarah Biffin, the person who managed to overcome both being a woman and a disabled person in the 1800s. So she became a official artist for several royal families, both in and out of England. I think I even forgot a couple in here. Um, And she was known first and foremost for her hyper-realistic art as opposed to her gender or disability. And at no point... Did she sign the name of a man on her art? She did it uh, later on, sign it as Mrs. Wright, um, because she was kind of trying to separate herself. But she never pretended to be anybody other than who she was. Holy crap. Sarah Ben. How have I not heard of this before? As soon as I came across her, I was researching something else entirely. And I'm like, this is my topic. And I was like, Austin, I want to tell you so bad. And I can't. See, how come whenever I come across something, it's like, oh my God, this is my topic now. It's something gross, but mm-hmm. when you do it, it's something like inspirational and kind okay. and kind of cool. I forgot to write questions, so let's, let's give it That's a go. That's okay. Um, will the fact that Sarah Biffin spite learned be on the test? That will not be on the test because we cannot let the children know about spite learning. <laughs> will the fact that they refer to an, uh, they refer to indentured servitude as apprenticeship be on the test? Yes. Yes, it will. With the fact that Emmanuel Dukes, who apparently was a big deal, made a disabled child feel like she owed him her life be on the test. Yeah, that will be on the test. Will the fact that she was a female disabled artist who never tried to hide who she was be on the test? Yes. And will the fact that she never tried to be known as the female disabled artist be on the test? Yes. Because that's an important thing. She never hid it, but she never actually was like, look at how special I am. It was, I'm damn good at this and you're going to like it. Yeah. 
Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. So after coming off of your um, definitely not lions, <laughs> I feel like we are going to a happy place, which, uh, Yay. as we know, will not continue with us. Oh, it will absolutely not, because the ones I've got, uh, other ones I have researched, are depressing, but for different reasons. Um, my next one, I think it's going to be my next one, has some depressing moments, but overall it's just clarifying misinformation that has been widely shared. Oh. So, where can people find us? Well, they can find us on TikTok at on the test Pod. On Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod, on Instagram and the test at on the test pod, and if you must, on Twitter if you at must. on the twi- at on the test pod. Yep, and I will probably reinstall Twitter just so I can keep people updated because maybe one day I'm gonna let you in on something. I like completely erased my Twitter account. I went through all of the steps to just like the, the make this go away forever. Uh huh. I did that with Twitter. I've not done that because, but I pretty much only used our account for this. Yeah. Um, All right. So to pretend that this is, you know, recorded just now in the heat of the moment, let's talk about some news that has happened recently. Um, It turns out that all of the balloons were ghosts. See, I heard that they were aliens. They were ghosts of aliens. (gasps) So have we just confirmed Scientology? No, no. The ghosts (laughs) of aliens were actually here to disprove Scientology. Man. But they did take Tom Cruise. It's about damn time. That's what Lizzo was trying to warn us about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I believe where you are, let's just pretend we're after the Oscars now. And somehow Brendan Fraser won in every category. We and haven't even seen his movie yet ourselves, but we're going to assume. Like, and when, like, when Will Smith came in from the rafters with the steel chair to finish the job on Chris Rock... <laughs> I was flabbergasted. And it was really confusing because Chris Rock wasn't there, so he was just swinging about with this chair. It was like Spider-Man with a steel chair. Yeah, and people got really mad about Rihanna performing again, just like we did at the Super Bowl, but nobody has a valid reason. It's like she was flying through the air again. Is, is Rihanna... She was fighting Will Smith up in the air. <laughs> she, she saved Chris Rock's life as part of her performance. It was not scripted. And she didn't stop singing. She would never stop singing. She can't stop, won't stop. Except during the Super Bowl. So on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed. Ghost aliens.